I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Yeah, is this technically Vampire Hunter Diaries? I don't know. Uh, could be. Finally. Vampire. Right? <laughs> no, let's, uh, let's just title it Vampire Hunter Diaries. Hello, and welcome back to the Internet's number one fake history podcast, The Lore Boys. Today, we're going to be setting out on a new world journey for a way off the godforsaken rock that is the Plain of Ixalan. We're going to be talking about Magic the Gathering and Vampire Conquistadors and Dinosaur Riding Incas and Murr People. Uh, I'll be your host, Ethan Palmer, to take you through this uh, historical venture. Um, hop on the Magic School Bus with me, and and with me on the Magic School Bus, as always, of course, is James Ooh. Miller. I knew we should have stayed home today. <laughs> oh, you are, <laughs> Please let this be a normal conquest with the new world. No way. <laughs> and I'm Peter O'Donoghue. I've been looking forward to this episode since we started the show, and you told me about uh, dinosaur conquistadors. Um, yeah, this 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 episode comes out or comes uh, by request from a few of our patrons. Uh, recently, it was uh, Jester was the first one to to request it, but very recently, or Jester was the first one to call it out as cool, maybe. Uh, but very recently, Darkside Bunny and Magnus have both specifically requested that we cover Ixalan lore. Um, there's lots of Magic the Gathering lore to get through, but like you, Pete, this one has just and we've talked about Ixalan specifically a lot on the show because it's a very cool setting. Yeah. And I, I did download like the plane shift PDF, which is like uh, they make the, the setting for Dungeons and Dragons, essentially, and give you just like a bunch of resources for that. So I downloaded all that. It's just extremely cool stuff. So um, we're going to be taking a break from the Phyrexian stuff. We, we won't talk about that, though. Ixalan does play a part in Invasion and it does have its own storyline. We're not going to be talking much about the actual uh, uh, storyline of Ixalan. We're going to be talking more about the, the history of the plane and, and kind okay. of the uh, the setup for the story. Um, if you guys like the show, uh, feel free to join the Discord and, and request more Ixalan lore in our lore request server. Or if you really like like the show and you really want to hear more Ixalan lore, consider becoming a Patreon, then joining the Discord and requesting me because I'll pay, I'll pay more attention to you if your your name is red. That's just if how it works. don't like the show and you're willing to pay us, that'd be cool also, too because we yeah. don't really have anyone uh in the patreon content uh who doesn't like us to give us kind of that angle i would um, i would honestly yeah. probably listen to you most if you hate right. us and we're paying us i'd be like well this is the one we're most likely to lose then right yeah. so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so all the haters give us your money thanks uh speaking <laughs> of patrons welcome to new patrons hurt I, i'm sorry uh and jordan uh jordan d Jor- jordy uh well, welcome to the show welcome to the welcome. welcome to the world the wonderful world of lore boys um 
so yeah, not too much homework required on, on this episode for Magic the Gathering. Uh, I guess the only thing, if you haven't listened to any of our other episodes, is to know that Magic the Gathering is a multiverse where there's an infinite number of planes to visit. We're going to be talking about one plane in particular. Um, and there's a, a group of people who can travel between them called Planeswalkers. That's really all you need to know. We're not going to get into colors too, too much or anything like that, anything too complex. But if it comes up, uh, you can listen to some of our older episodes to understand it better. Um... Cool. You guys want to start? You guys just want to jump right in? Yeah. Yeah. Meh. Uh, so Ixalan, specifically, uh, Pete mentioned vampire or uh, con- dinosaur conquistadors. Specifically, we have vampire conquistadors and uh, dinosaur riding Aztecs. Yeah. So, okay. so this plane posits the question, would Spain have conquered the new world if the Aztecs had dinosaurs? Right? Right. I'm not, um... I'm not convinced they would have. I'm not convinced that they they would have been able to do it. But in most fiction, uh, especially considering like at the time the the actual conquest of the new year new world happened, where it's like single shot muskets. Yeah. In most fiction, dinosaurs are completely bulletproof until the plot dictates otherwise. Exactly. So I'm fairly I'm fairly certain that the uh, Aztecs with their dinosaurs would have done absolutely fine. And I don't know, maybe we'd live in a much nicer world where. Uh, instead of an electric vehicle, you had a dinosaur, Ethan. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I think there might be some competing resources between dinosaurs and Aztecians. Like, a dinosaur probably likes to eat a sheep, but an Aztec also needs to sacrifice the sheep to their gods, right? True. So, like, true, true. Well, they might well, run I've out of Jurassic sheep. Park. Their gods are, you just make your gods the T-Rex, and then huh. it doesn't want to hunt and ends up wrecking your civilization. Or then it wants to hunt. It doesn't want to be fed. Yeah, yeah. The Aztecs want. Yeah. Aztecs out. don't want to hunt. They want to, don't want to be fed. They want to hunt. Like Alan Grant looking out the window. <laughs> um. Yeah. I. I. I'm inclined to think that, especially the Spanish conquistadors fighting in the jungle, not even fighting in like an open field where you can get like one solid volley off against a T Rex or a cannon. You'd have a really hard time taking out a T-Rex, right? With a couple flintlocks. Yeah. Like, oh boy. That Imagine thing's... some of the smaller dinosaurs making like holes like in Vietnam and like they have the <laughs> whole areas underneath and stuff and then they pop out. That'd be terrifying. The spikes is just full of raptors. Tiger pit. I mean. Or it's just the, the stegosaurus. It just puts its like spiny tail, uh, spiny tail, the thagomizer. Just like. Yes, I was going to say. Thank you. Yeah. I know. Oh, I yeah. had to beat you to it, Pete. That's like a, a pipe cleaner for when everyone's done with the hole too. They could just send the spiky yeah. tail through in and out. Yeah. Take oh, all yeah. the, the, yeah. the detritus yeah. out. Yeah. Yeah. Fred, Fred Flintstone would approve for sure. Yeah. It'd be so easy to get rid of Spanish corpses. <laughs> Too, right just g- goring yeah. to death the spanish it's a living <laughs> <laughs> well you know what that that they, like that time is uh why we have our our feral pigs now it was whenever the spanish came over and they brought their their little pigums and they left yep. them here and now that's why we need ar-15s in the south for yep. 30 to 40 30 to, fi- feral- 30 to 50 wild hogs yeah, I may have, I may have said this. A, a, a quick, yeah. a, quick aside. I was with a friend of mine and some of her friends it's, who are like, "Is it an aside if we haven't got to the to the meat of anything yet?" <laughs> I know, I know. <laughs> I was, uh, a, a super, uh, like, I was with like um, a girl I was dating and some of her friends, like, super, super progressive, something, and they were talking about it when I showed up to like this party. And this girl's parents have a ranch in the states, and she's like, "The only conservative thing that I have 
the only conservative bone in my body that I that I have is the fact that like you absolutely need a gun to fend off fa- feral hogs. They're unkillable. And I was like, holy Jesus. Okay. <laughs> there's that one reply all uh, podcast that got into it like in depth, yeah. and they're they're pretty left leaning, but they also agreed by the end. Like, yeah, you need you need a gun. These things are dangerous. Yeah, you're, you're allowed yeah. to helicopter hunt them. We've talked about them but, before on the show, but you're allowed yeah. to like rent a helicopter with like a 50 cal Gatling gun and just go through the forest and like mow down wild dogs. I'd love to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and mow down Tim Allen and who else was in that movie? <laughs> oh, uh, um, John Travolta and William H Macy. Was John Travolta in that movie? What oh movie God. is this? Wild, Wild Hogs. Hogs. Oh, <laughs> not <laughs> good. My head, yeah, it's a bad movie from 2006 or something. Okay, uh, okay. Anyway, let's talk. Let's talk about Ixalan. So Ixalan is it's going to get a little confusing. Where Ixalan is the name of the plane, it is also the name of a continent on the plane. So mo. All the story takes place on the continent. There is another continent, which we're going to talk about in setting up. Um, but Ixalan also refers to the plane specifically. So, um, and like most descriptions of the plane only refer to the continent because in the story, in the cards and everything, you never really go to the other continents. So what, what they're like, we don't really know. I think it's safe to assume they're like Spain because that's where the Spaniard, Spaniard conquistadors come from, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so Ixalan right. itself, uh continent is characterized by dense jungles lush rainforests and expansive oceans probably have a big problem too probably got a pig problem well not yet because the, the domesticated are, dinosaurs the aren't no there yet pig problem okay. Spaniards aren't there yet yeah okay okay sorry sorry you say pigs are smart brontosaurus have two brains or something right they got a brain in their butt really uh, something like that no yeah it's like it, they a thought it was a brain for a long time but it's not a yeah it's not yeah. really a brain it's just a cluster of nerves but it's because they're it's essentially like a uh, a relay system because they're so big that for their brain to get their tail to do stuff, like the signal dies. The the signals in like your nerves huh. die before it can travel that far. So right. it has like a relay in its ass that just like strengthens oh. the signal of like nerve yeah. impulses. It's got so, one of those like Wi-Fi pods, basically. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. A, it's a two, Wi-Fi two floor dinosaur. <laughs> yeah. Whenever you put your hand on like a stove or something, it bypasses all thought and it's just an electric signal to move or whatever. Yeah. And I guess that's why they have that, all right? They got like another just generator in the butt exactly, so they can, yeah. don't leave their yeah. tail if, in a fire. Yeah. If you were Rayman and your hand was 30 feet away, then the the signal would die. That electric signal wouldn't reach your hands. Uh, can't feel de- de- definitely can't feel my hands. That's Rain Man. Oh, That's Rain shit. Man. Oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but there is, there is a plot point about touching a hot stove in that movie. <laughs> yeah, there is. Um, so uh, the plane, uh, or the, I should say the continent, sorry, uh, is divided into, uh, in kind of, at the time of the story, is divided into four distinct regions or civilizations each with its own unique identity and challenges. So we've got the Sun Empire, the Brazen Coalition, the River Heralds, and the Legion of Dusk. Um, the only one we're not really going to talk about is the Brazen, Co- Brazen Coalition. I'll give you guys an intro on them, but you'll see why we're not going to talk about them too much. They're not that interesting. It's um, a bit of a, a, slow, a slow cook or a slow build, right? Yeah. For Brazen? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh... I am going to brazenly say that that was a bad joke. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) These these factions are often often at loggerheads. They're usually vying for control of Ixalan's resources and political power. Um, You know, one of them is conquistadors who are pretty expansionist and colonial. So make of that what you will, right? Let's let's talk about them. We'll go through the four. Mm -hmm. And 
I have picture guides for you guys, for each of them. Uh, if you, the listener, want to see the pictures, consider joining our Patreon, where we will post the pictures after the episode, so you guys can review them. In the Discord through the Yeah, picture. which is all caught up now, thanks to Jamie, actually. It was a little outdated, but I, I saw you post everything last week. And thanks to whoever it was who called us out on our bullshit not posting them. You guys got to do that, because we'll give us an inch, we'll take them out. No. Yeah. I, I secretly <laughs> like you less when you call me out, but I'll still. <laughs> <laughs> I like it when you call Jamie. making me work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so the first faction is the Sun Empire. These are the ones inspired by the Aztecs primarily. There's a little bit of influence uh, of the Incans as well. Uh, this is an ancient civilization of humans ruled by a highly militaristic order of dinosaur, ri dinosaur riding warriors. The Incredible. people of the Sun Empire live in harmony with dinosaurs, considering them sacred beings and symbols of strength. Um, so I posted you guys a picture of Huatli, Radiant Champion. Huatli is, is called a... Uh, she holds the rank of warrior poet which is, I guess, uh, if the Dalai Lama threw hands. Because uh, <laughs> it's like one of it, there's one in a generation and they're basically like reincarnated and a new one is named after the okay, last one cool. dies. But you only ever have one warrior poet. Uh, oh. And, and Huatli is it. Kind of the, the de facto, there is an emperor of the Sun Empire, but Huatli is kind of the de facto leader and military leader uh, and yeah. the one in the story whom you interact with the most. I don't As think a big dinosaur enjoyer, I'm heavily biased for this one. This is some of the coolest magic art I've ever fucking seen. <laughs> is that cool, a right? three-headed T-Rex? It looks like a three-headed T-Rex at the very least, I'll give you. Wow. And it's got feathers. Pete, you a fan of feathers on dinosaurs? Uh, some of them, yeah, actually. That's kind of neat. In, in this case, yes, where the what I think may be a Cerberus T-Rex has like uh, a crest of feathers and then feathers on his little gimpy arms. The more realistic stuff where it's just like, a big dumb shaggy dog less so <laughs> the stylized <laughs> version is true yeah <laughs> um yeah so uh i didn't i didn't look into quietly too much but it does look like she is a planeswalker just as um, a war fan which is an underrated fantasy weapon they're very cool i never even heard of a war fan but she does have one uh so the people of the sun empire are said to have been uh formed from clay by kinjali the awakening sun um We'll talk uh, maybe on the bonus a bit about the Awakening Sun a little bit more, but it's essentially their deity. Uh, it's a it's a triumvirate. Um, next up is the River Heralds, who are uh, heavily inspired by the Mayans uh, okay. of, of Central America. They are a secretive faction of merfolk uh, who inhabit the mystical River Heralds refuge. Once the dominant force on Ixalan, the merfolk these days stick to a more nomadic lifestyle. And we'll kind of get into the why of that. Uh, so I posted you guys just a generic picture of a, a river herald with a big frog. Oh, wow. That, that frog's face is it, it got my ass. I got <laughs> uh, the 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 merfolk are very, uh, I guess, axolotl themed with like the yep. crest on the side, which makes sense based on the you know location that's based on. Yeah. So merfolk is a pretty common uh, typing in Magic the Gathering. It's it's a tribal, uh, essentially. So uh, you get a lot of merfolk decks, which tend to be a lot of small creatures. Kind of like uh, Murlocs in Hearthstone, if you guys are familiar with Hearthstone at all. Um, which I did that. I say that for Jamie, Jamie's benefit more than anything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Lots they, of little cards building up, and the more you have down together, the more they benefit each other. In exactly. That, that's how tribals work. It, it, it wasn't so tribal heavy in Ixalan. They they are just like stronger cards and, and more combo mechanics, and a lot of uh, instants and sorceries with these ones specifically. Uh, you'll notice his weapons and his armor is made out of jade. Uh, Jade is like a, a really common um, 
material for the the river heralds they make um these like elemental golems essentially out of jade that they can use to protect their uh protect the forest essentially cool. really um cool. so Lots there are of nine greens and blues and oranges in these yeah. these folks yeah yeah they're they're green and blue and i think like pete says i think the orange is like axolotl inspired because this one has the the flared frills or the, the cool. gills on the outside whatever you call them yeah um so there's nine tribes making up the river heralds one for each tributary of the great river uh they're hippies uh sworn to use the power of nature and friendship to protect the world from natural disaster bare-assed hippies all right um the brazen coalition the one that we uh, that i said we wouldn't talk about too too much is a loose-knit society of pirates organized excuse me in four fleets they live primarily in the Stormwreck sea these days but originally hail from a distant continent known as torazon where millennia ago they were driven out by the legion of dusk cool i so first I... thought that our episode was going to be about the vampires and lizard people from warhammer because you only sent us one image before the episode i, I forgot about excellent oh you were very excited i mean yeah i would be yeah well i'll do the have we not done the Sorox? No, or the Saurus? Uh, we'll do them someday. Uh, no, no, we haven't. Look, look uh, you showed me a picture of people riding dinosaurs, and I got excited. I didn't think much about it. That was we it. just. <laughs> I, I assume on like bonus content and stuff, we've talked about um, like the slowed and stuff a lot. Uh, yeah, and, like their ability to kind of manipulate everything and then being the oldest race and all that, but maybe not the, a dedicated episode. So we're not going to talk about the Brazen Coalition mainly just because like they're just pirates. That's all. That's all you really need to know about them. Um, there's some cool characters for sure, and and uh, a lot of the story beats uh, of the main story follow the pirates. Um, but as an actual like history, they're not that interesting. Okay. Cool. So finally, the Legion of Dusk is an alliance also from the continent of Torzon between the Church of Dusk and the vampire monarch Queen Meralda. Uh, the Legion is led by an air, uh, by aristocratic vampires who are made undead via a ceremony known as the Rite of Redemption. Uh, cool. So I you, you guys a picture of Vona, Butcher of Magan by Vulcan Baga, uh, which gives a gives a good vibe for what these guys are, what they're kind of about. Yeah, I mean, it's very, very classic Spanish conquistador, a lot more gold, like way more stylized. And although they have like a cathedral on their fucking sailboat in the back, a very, <laughs> very gothic, right? Which is from yeah. Spain as well, yeah. uh, specifically South Spain, where like Columbus sailed from Barcelona. Oh, really? Um, yeah, and I think the gold is like, I mean, that's, you say uh, too much gold for conquistadors. They didn't wear it in their armor or put it on their ships, but it's what they were kind of known for, right? Was yeah, stealing yeah, all yeah, the gold course. from South America. Um, it silver. It was all, all precious metals, but yeah, a, lot of, yeah, yeah. a lot of gold as well. They said there's a, a famous story of, uh, Cortez, uh, one of the more infamous, um, conquistadors. Uh, conquistadors conquistador captains i guess he like told a story about like he held a tribal chief hostage until the locals filled an entire room with like gold essentially right. yes yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. how true that is who who the, i don't fucking know maybe some historian does but that's like the, how the, as the story goes so a lot of gold uh, at the time as well all stolen yeah um so the legion the legion of dusk is an expansionist colonialist society whose expeditions are driven by a need for more wouldn't you know it? Enemy blood to drink, not gold. They need blood. Mm-hmm. Um, so those conquests are, are led by vampire conquistadors and priests with human soldiers filling the rank and file. Uh, and you so- better fill this room full of blood or else I'm going to be real upset. <laughs> <laughs> but sir, it just keeps leaking out of the grate on the floor. I know what I said. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got to say, I, back in the day when I was playing it, I was like raving about Greedfall. And the the art style of this too is just like I love 
colonial fantasy. It's like such a it's such an underused style. Yeah. To like to like inject into something. Yeah, I yeah. I mean, I love I think South America is like criminally underused and, and South American inspirations are criminally underused in a lot of like fantasy. Yeah. Because uh, like a lot of their myth and everything while like we, we talk we talk a ton about we talked a ton about uh, Norse mythology on like the God of War episodes and everything and how there's so much overlap with like uh, Greek and Roman because they're they're so intermingling. Yeah. But the fact that that, you know, writing was so well developed and and history was so recorded by the time that uh, Western settlers said like made it to the new world. It just means that like there was so little like mixing of their myths, right? Like there was so little mixing. Of, there was no mixing of cultures up until 1500 or whatever. Right. So or yeah. 14 late 1400s, I think, technically. But um yeah, I think it's just super cool and, and super, super underutilized for that reason. Totally. And colorful, too. It's like always so cool to look at. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I saw I, I maybe somebody posted it in this Discord server or another one, but somebody was talking about, um, you know, h- how the ancient Greeks would use color to describe emotion. Like, so if you say like how it, it was Madeline Miller who wrote uh, the Song of Achilles and in the Song of Achilles, she writes like, oh, his skin was the color of freshly pressed olive oil. And then somebody posted a picture of freshly pressed uh, olive oil, yeah. which is like bright green. That um, was on Reddit. I saw right. that. And it's like, it's like Kermit the Frog or Shrek green. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it's like very There's, green. Yeah. Somebody tweeted that meme, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and she just responded to it with this like, very well, re- like clearly researched. Like she's a, she's a, like a professor, I think in like, okay, ancient, yeah. a, like ancient Greece, essentially. Uh, so she just like goes into this whole like, oh, here's how the Greeks actually use color to describe emotion. And they very rarely would like, mean the color whenever they use it as like an adjective kind of thing so that's kind of just what i meant um but just just showing how like yeah i guess i guess it's just so different uh, back in the day than it is i saw it as like know. a men writing woman type thing like where it was like she walked in and her skin would glowed like freshly squeezed olives or something and like <laughs> and instead of like what he meant which is like an olive skin yeah. beautiful woman it just comes in looking like shrek but yeah. <laughs> anyway. fiona yeah. come on yeah. fiona yeah exactly <laughs> yeah. Fuck, it's sexist man jesus i forgot there's a lady shrek um <laughs> doesn't she become oh no she decides that she wants to stay a shrek at the end yeah right yeah uh okay so the vampires of Vixalan regularly undertake something called the blood fast in which they starve themselves for a period of time when this is over they enter into a state known as the rapture in which yeah, they like, revert dude. Revert to an animalistic trance and attack anything on sight. The cat, the <laughs> I gave cat. up. I gave up white wine on Lent, and then after Easter, I almost killed myself with white wine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, no, I gave I gave up beer and switched to white wine. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's like well, they stop it, but they they get it right after. Like I, yeah, I don't exactly. think for Lent you're supposed to like indulge in whatever you've been given up, right? Yeah, no. On Good Friday, you're supposed to go ballistic into an animalistic rage. <laughs> yeah. On Good Friday, like, bite, bite through the glass it. of a bottle of wine and like, <laughs> yeah. shotgun a bottle of wine, punch through the side with your face. <laughs> uh, so, in the time period of the first stories on Ixalan, these these factions are all orbiting Araska, the Golden City. Uh, lost to history for centuries, Araska was forced to be abandoned by powerful forces. Only the River Heralds were trusted to know of its location, and even they deliberately abandoned it and only kept a loose knowledge of its location known. Um, and we'll get into the why and the, and the what, uh, how that happened, essentially, uh, towards the end of this episode. But 
before then, we're gonna you know go into the the lost city of gold, um, with its golden walls and ceilings and floors and everything. But Araska held something else of value that w- that serves basically as the MacGuffin for the story. Is Araska A U R? O R A Z C A. Okay, so it's French for gold instead of Latin. Nice. Mm. I mean, yeah, I don't know what it is in Spanish. Uh, oh yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> Spanish Forget for gold. Lady is, Shrek's is, is Oro. Oro yeah. with or as O R O. Oh, um, and that and bull is Toro. So um, T plus g- to, it's, go- it's, to gold yeah. means high, bull. High T gold. <laughs> 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 high T gold, which is uh, a bull. Got it. Got it. Uh, so to learn more about the immortal sun, we're going to need to leave Ixalan altogether to start. Okay. Where are we so going? Throughout, throughout the multiverse, there are numerous ancient civilizations which revere the same divine bringer of justice. Described invariably as a noble sphinx and arbiter of law, they are referring to the sphinx planeswalker Azor. Uh, so I posted a picture for you guys of Azor. And that's uh, AZ gold. Uh, in Spanish, exactly, right? yeah. yeah. AZ French gold. Yeah, <laughs> got it. Uh, yeah, yeah. This guy, uh, this guy is rad as shit. This is like a Sumerian deity. Yeah, I mean, I think it's this is so. This is uh, oh. art of him on Ixalan. Uh So that's like the jade stairs and the the large like golden throne or dais that he's he's on essentially at the top of the set of stairs. The yeah. stairs don't seem very functional. They kind of just like go to the bottom of like a curved overhang, uh, which seems weird. Um, yeah, you'd have to like jump up and climb over it too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like a diving board with a staircase yeah. under it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, I expected okay. him to have a cat head and not a dwarf's head, but he said Sphinx, right? Yep. Okay. I didn't know Sphinx He's, could have different types of heads. The Sphinx has a human head. Sphinx has a human head, though. I'm like looking him up. Now. Really? Wasn't it a cat? What? I thought they had a cat face, and then no, no they don't have a, cat cat face. a human head. No. You sorry, you, you really threw me for a loop there. I was like, Napoleon didn't shoot the nose off a cat statue. Is there cat statues in Egypt? I'm, yes, I'm going crazy. Yes. There's Probably definitely cat statues houses. in Egypt. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not the Sphinx, though. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the yeah, one that there isn't. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Pyramids, cat statues. It's just, yeah. it's the, uh, it's buried and you just see the ears poking out of the sand. <laughs> uh, <laughs> they all started as cat statues. It's erosion yeah. that makes them look like humans. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so where Azor is from uh, has been lost to time. It's said that the noble stature of many other sphinxes throughout the magic multiverse is likely from his influence specifically. So he is a very old one, very well known. I um, I friggin was reading this and I said, Azor, I know that name. I know that name from somewhere. I tried to find where we talked about it, but I can't even find the script from the episode, but I'm pretty sure we talk about him on the Jace Bellerin in the Hangover episode where we talk about Ravnica specifically. Okay. Uh, I and want to come up in Game of Thrones because I think Azor Ahai is one of the, the prince who prom- is promised. Yeah. Um, the well, Azor Ahai. Yeah. No. Um, I'm pretty sure we know, we're going to know him from uh, Ravnica because he wrote the Guild Pact in Ravnica which okay. we talked about extensively what the guild pack was because it's basically forms the foundation for the different houses of Ravnica. Um, okay. which that Jamie, you weren't on that episode. So if you're scratching your head trying to remember, it was just me and Pete, I'm pretty sure. Uh, and it was 
four and a half years ago or something. Yeah, <laughs> so. I just accepted it as not remembering, even if I was there. But anyways, yeah. Um, so I have a quote for you, for you guys from the aptly named The Arbiter of Law Left Chaos in His Wake uh, by Alison Lurz and Greg Lubin. Uh, Alison mm-hmm. Lurz is the primary author on um, most of the Ixalan stuff. Uh, so this is Azar speaking to the Planeswalkers Jace Bellerin and Vraska on Ixalan. For thousands of years, I planeswalked through countless worlds, Captain Vraska. They were strange and unruly, full of brutal societies plagued with violence and disorder. I used hieromancy to give these people the gift of stability. I created systems of governance to cure them of their chaos. I selflessly toiled to improve the multiverse, and my gifts turned worlds from places of madness and brutality into structured bastions of peace. I founded countless systems of governance to shape the communal destiny of countless planes, and your rejection of my decree is most unwise. The law is meant to be followed. Um, so the purpose of that quote is just show you what kind of narc this guy is. Yeah, you know dude, I mean? shit, eh? <laughs> <laughs> is AOL stand for Arbor of Law? Yeah, AOL Online <laughs> stands for Arbor okay. of Law Online. Okay, okay got it. <laughs> You've got narcs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Azor is, I mean generally a uh, narc his intentions seem to be good he's very strict um very unforgiving uh and he's like a bit of a goober and like if you guys remember the guild pack episode um he creates this guild pack and it's just like just ends up like destroying ravnica because like everything is too set and the guild pack was essentially like he spoke these these rules into law and like using magic made them like kind of the laws of that plane where it's like really hard to violate them jace ends up becoming the living guild pack towards the end and again we did talk about that on an episode at some point it might not be that episode that i'm referring to but we have talked about it before i know that uh or i had a fever dream i'm not sure um that said his mo uh, azor's mo for a long time was traveling the multiverse and giving the gift of law to those he visited so he would just visit like these nascent kind of civilizations and just be like here here's how you do laws essentially you should have a ruling class and a and a serving class yeah i was gonna say all of your women are topless no one's wearing coconut bras i i brought yes the gift of shame the more i think think, i'm pretty sure i was in a jace episode at least one we did a few for sure Uh, and we've talked about jace a lot he he is and has been kind of the the magic fanboy guy for a long long time uh it's possible you were on the Ravnica episode. Too. I remember he was like, uh, like an incel. Is uh, is kind of how we painted him? Is he? Because he was, yeah, he we, was a nerd. I, we might have painted him like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. that's a goof from four and a half years ago. Which Jamie remembers the goofs from a long time ago. I remember the lore from a long time ago. <laughs> and we <laughs> never, we never crossed the rift. I yeah. just remember yeah. him being like the the loser of, of of Magic the Gathering. It's like this guy. He's just he sucks. Oh, uh, there was yeah. a, the, the no, that was Trapper. That was yeah, Venser, Vez- yeah. Venser was the was the Venser we painted as the incel. Uh, uh, the hard, hard incel, yeah. yeah okay. Um, you have been on episodes where we've talked about Jace before, uh, at the yes, very least, yeah. but... Yeah. Um, Not so, uh, Azor takes his job seriously. Uh, he considers, often considers the planes that he visits under his protection. So even after he leaves, he kind of thinks of them as like, oh yeah, I, I established law there. Nobody should break the law because you're going against me and what I say. Okay. Um, so fans of the Magic the Gathering will already recognize that the color combination for the intellectual blue and the orderly white uh, is named Azorius. And it's it's for your boy. Oh. So the, okay. the names of those color combinations, originally the two combinations, so like Boros, which is red and white, and uh, Rakdos, which is red and black, and um, 
Azoria Santa Claus went blue. Red and green. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, uh, <laughs> comes from uh, the Ravnican houses. So what he created with the guild pack, essentially, uh, those names come from there. And Azorius was named after him, which is uh, orderly and smart. Cool. Um, despite all his power, there are still those in the more in the multiverse who could be a real thorn in Azor's side. It wasn't long before our old friend Nicole Bolas would poke uh, his head up. It. On a plane that Azor had sworn to protect. You can't do anything in Magic the Gathering without this guy getting involved somehow. Well, you can't. You can now. So he's he's no he's not really a thing anymore. The new villain is the Phyrexians, and okay. the, the yeah. Phyrexians do visit uh, Ixalan, like I said in the one of the more recent um, Invasion of the Multiverse. I think it's called. Um, but yeah, uh, for a long, long time it was Yogmoth. And then they got rid of Yogmoth, and it became Bolas for I don't know fifteen years or something crazy. <laughs> you know, where he was just like he was always the bad guy, and he was always meddling. Uh, so he pokes his head up on one of those planet, one of those planes that Azor had sworn to protect. The magnetic dragon conquered it. Azor didn't favor his chances in a head-to-head battle because why would you favor your chances in a head-to-head battle against the most powerful being in I, existence? I really yeah. like how you said that he's always meddling or meddling <laughs> magnetic dragon. But anyways, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, instead. Azor, being smart, being orderly, decides mm-hmm. to uh, meet up with Bolas's twin, Ugin the Spirit Dragon, which... Ah, uh, yes, him. Yeah. I cannot remember if we ever talked about him, but I'm, I'm <laughs> glad Pete rem- remembers the name at the very least. So. Yeah, because he, like, did some shit with a Johnny, right? Probably? Uh, uh, did- you've talked about him before, yeah. yeah, yeah. He, he, he does his shit for a long time, and I think this was a retcon at some point, but he, he does kind of reincarnate as Sarkhan, who we talked about on some episode as well, which I also can't remember which episode. One of the Dominary mm. episodes, but I remember which one. Uh, so he, he meets up with Ugin, the Bolas's spirit, uh, twin brother, who's like, uh, he's the good guy. He's the good side of Bolas, I guess. Um, and the two, the two come up with a plan, though Azor will have to pay a steep price to enact it. Azor searches the multiverse for the last plane he would ever visit settling on the lush forests and winding rivers of Ixalan. Uh, another quote from Azor speaking with Frasca here. As caretaker and arbiter of law for the entirety of the multiverse, it was my duty to collaborate for the greater good. The immortal sun was built to imprison one specific enemy. It amplifies the magical abilities of whoever touches it, and it prevents plane- planeswalkers from leaving a plane. The perfect cage for a diabolical planeswalker. I gave up my spark to help create the immortal sun, the lock of my prison, my greatest gift to all living things. What evil were you trying to imprison? Braska asked. A, f- a fiend who was a danger to all the multiverse. Our plan naturally was perfect, but my friend failed. Um, so we talked, in talking about Ixalan, we have talked about the immortal sun. The, the thing about Ixalan is that nobody, if you planeswalk here, you can't planeswalk away because of this, this artifact called the immortal sun. Oh, okay, cool. So that's why Bolas would never go because he'd be stuck with all like whatever ripe mangoes for the rest of his life. Yeah, exactly. And I, I think it's not explicitly stated, and I have to assume that Azor understood this risk. Um, <laughs> but uh, he would have like been sacrificing himself and the plane and the entire plane, right? In in uh, trapping Bolas there because Bolas would have just like conquered it for sure and probably killed him and enslaved everybody. But his oh, true, right? ultimate goal yeah. was like, hey, I'll die, but he won't be able to leave. And he'll just be stuck here right. until, mm-hmm. you know, uh, until inevitably a Tezzeret or something <laughs> planeswalks there and figures shit out. Yeah. Um, but Bolas never goes to Ixalan. Uh, so when Azor arrives on Ixalan, he finds a quiet place to himself and carves a massive slab of granite and pours out his planeswalker spark into it. 
So he uh, gets this big stone, puts his Planeswalker Spark into it, and that creates the Immortal Sun. The Immortal Sun, as it comes to be known, grants those who stand upon it godlike powers, but it has an even more peculiar property, which is it traps all Planeswalkers on the plane, right? Um, wow. Yeah, so he even was like, like straight off, straight off the bat, like there goes my Planeswalker Spark. I'll never be able to leave, kind of thing. Magic rocks, bros. <laughs> oh magic yeah, yeah. <laughs> granite. Mm. Don't don't take it for granite. No. Is granite a rock or is it just cold lava? Hmm? Oh, well, isn't uh, that that's most rocks, isn't it? <laughs> not necessarily. How are rocks? Where Obsidian do rocks come from? It's just... glass. Oh yeah. Uh, rocks come from a bunch of different places. Some of them come from pressure, cleared between tectonic plates. Uh, granite specifically is um, when lava tries to push, up, like lava tries to create a volcano. So magma is pushing up through the crust of the earth. Mm-hmm. If it gets blocked and it can't, it doesn't have enough pressure to push through the crust. Uh-huh. Then it that magma will eventually cool, and that turns into granite. How does sulfur come about? I don't think sulfur is a sulfur is an right? element. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, but it's around those those uh, the same places you'd find granite. Uh, in the ground, well, <laughs> at the top top of a volcano. Uh, don't you remember well, you, in Shrek you, whenever you, they're you, going up and Donkey's like, "What smells Shrek?" and he's like, "That's the the sulfur." Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. I think he says brimstone, but brimstone okay. might be another word for sulfur. And also, specifically, granite is not volcanoes. It's it, the the magma didn't make a volcano. It failed in making the volcano. Right. So, well, a failed like, volcano. I like that. <laughs> I, I'd like to think they tried. You know, they're trying. They try, Aspiring yeah. volcanoes. Yeah. yeah, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, brimstone. If you Google it, the top image is, uh, I guess, like an Overwatch character now, or like a new Overwatch guy, and a bunch of oh. westerns. So cool. Mm. Very good. Well, that's what it is, Jamie. You were way off. <laughs> um, so Azor's created this immortal son. <laughs> Ugin, for his part, leaves to the multiverse to work on luring Bolas to the plane. From a- Azor's point of view, uh, with his planeswalking wings clipped, Ugin simply does not return. Uh, so the story continues. He was to lure our foe away, uh, our foe to a faraway plane, and I was to use the immortal sun to enhance my hieromancy and summon that foe here to Ixalan. But I never received the signal to activate the immortal sun. I do not know my associate's fate, Azor said with a flick of his tail. We devised the plan over a thousand years ago, and I came to Ixalan a little over a hundred years after that. He failed. I do not know what happened, but my execution was perfect. Raska resisted the urge to hurl herself out the nearest window. He's been cooped up on this plane for a thousand years. Azor continued rambling. I did not want anything to do with the Immortal Sun. It was a reminder of my friend's failure, so I decided to give the gift of governance to this plane. Ixalan was to be ruled by whoever possessed the Immortal Sun, and I initially gifted it to a monastery in the east, in Torazon. So, nothing like uh, coming to a plane, um, devising a plan, uh, not getting the bat signal in the sky, and then just being like, well, I guess I'm just going to meddle in mortal affairs for the rest of time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, my sphere of influence just became a lot smaller. But uh, Yeah. (laughs) uh, So some 800 years ago, the continent of Torazon was flourishing under a renaissance. Scientific advances, a blossoming of the arts, and vibrant trade was happening across the continent. Uh, Torazon is that other continent I was kind of talking about. It's the, the uh, stand-in for Europe, basically. Yeah, exactly. Or the stand-in for Spain, maybe more specifically. We don't really know. Uh, very little is actually known about it because all the story takes place on, on the continent of Ixalan. Right, right. So the continent was not unified. Instead, it was made up of various city-states and lesser nations, which lived, for the most part, peaceably. 
One such city-state was a remote monastery or uh, led by uh, by a remote monastery nestled in the mountains where they had in their possession a giant slab of stone infused with the O de Sphinx. Um, it remained under the protection of those holy custodians for generations where it became an object of religious reverence and people across the continent came to worship it as, as a relic. So actually for like a good while, Azor's plan does work. Azor's plan, uh, when Jace and Vraska are talking to him, they kind of accuse him of like all the meddling and specifically on Ravnica because Vraska, I think, is originally from Ravnica or she at least spent a lot of time there and Jace spent a lot of time on Ravnica as well. He became the living guild pack. Um, they see like that it really didn't work. It created all these like class divides and <laughs> poverty and yeah. all these other terrible things. <laughs> and Azor's defense is always just like, I gave them a perfect system of governance. If they if they mess it up, it's because they're messy mortals and they they messed mm-hmm. it up. Like it, it was I their incompetence. Yeah, right? Can't yeah. believe this guy's a snob. Introducing magic cops. And it's yeah. just like, <laughs> yeah. ah, it's class divide. I don't know how it happened. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This CIA planting crack cocaine in like poor communities and then being like, yeah, see, it's their own fault. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I, I see it more like uh, like something like communism. If we all shared equally and there was no greed and no anything, uh, that's fine. We're good. But it's the <laughs> greed and everything that it's like us. It, yeah, we we would ruin the tablet too. Oh, we would. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll get into the socialists in a bit. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> Don't worry. They got plenty of tablets to fuck up in history. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. If, if I control F socialists, something will come up in my script. So uh, okay. <laughs> we'll, we will right. get there. I was perfect. Sure. Um, so it it's it's with these these priests or this, these monks of this monastery, um, but. After enough time, that religious power does kind of turn to political power, which, again, is what Azor wanted. He said that the, you know, the land should be ruled by whoever possesses the immortal son. Um, but the monastery was quickly becoming more influential than maybe they should. It wasn't long before some local warlord named Pedron the Wicked decided that maybe priests just didn't have the stomach for leadership. Uh, Pedron gathers his forces, storms the monastery, and uh, kills everyone. Leaves the last custodian of the artifact, a woman named Alenda, dying on the floor. Just as he was set to take the stone for himself, however, as it's described in the in the history books, uh, a winged creature descended and grabbed it and flew off with it. Uh, oh. So Azor Azor flies down, retrieves the stone. He's like, ah, this, this didn't work. <laughs> Decides to. <laughs> Uh, leave the mortals to the mess they'd made. Doesn't help anyone. Doesn't you know stabilize the dying woman or anything like that. Just like uh, you, <laughs> yeah, got, you guys, fu- you guys really like, fucked this up. Apply pressure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for whenever they like kill and, and like you're trying to get rid of people, like you know they used to ask for scalps and stuff. For if you're asking for the scalps of a monk, I feel like you could fake that easier. You can grab a butt cheek or two. Oh, just a and- sheep. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I got like twenty of them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can just take them from like you can take like five from one guy's body, right? Just yeah, like, exactly. Different smooth places. Yeah. yeah. The, the chubbier the guy, the more scalps. The chubbier oh. the monk, the more scalps. Yeah. Dude, I got so many scalps. <laughs> um, so the continent descends into all-out war because uh, while um, they weren't like super involved in in ruling, they were the de facto leaders of the place, like spiritual leaders, religious leaders. Um, Balances of power are shifting. The then nation of Torazon forms a church on the bones of the old monastery. Uh, This new war, uh, or a civil war breaks out uh, of the then nation Torazon, and it rages for over 300 years, uh, Mm -hmm. with the church taking sides 
and no factions backing down until two main factions had coalesced, which is the forces of Torazon, the, the state, and a rebel faction branded the Apostasine Princes. Essentially, it was like three city-states made up the nation of Torazon, uh, and it was inherited by uh, the king's daughter and his two sons, and the daughter had the most land because she was the oldest, and the two sons decided they wanted the most land, so they unified to fight her. This civil war is raging for 300 years. This you know, is very the, Euro politics too. Like exactly, where, yeah. Like the Pope moves to whatever Budapest, and all of a sudden you have the Holy Roman Empire, which is n- n- none of those words, right? Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's clearly Euro inspired, like you say, and and yeah, I I had it in my mind that it was oh, it's just just Spain. I do think that this. The, this specific faction is probably the Spain, but you're probably right that it probably does refer to. There probably is more people out there um, than just eventually. Spanish. I doubt it, but maybe it, with <laughs> the multiverse. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know you're out there somewhere out there. That was about the Spanish. Yeah. 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 Uh, so eventually with the great, 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 great times X grandchildren of those who started the war now in charge. The rebels seemed to be getting the upper hand. The apostasine princes had won a series of victories and were closing in on the Torazon capital when suddenly a figure wreathed in black vapor appeared and charged their lines. The Dark Rider slaughtered all in her path, causing the rebel army to break ranks and retreat. With the battle won, the stranger removed her hood and introduced herself. She was Alenda the priest left to die on the church floor some 300 years ago Ooh, as Petron had, had tried to steal the immortal son. Not a spark. She oh. just didn't die. Uh, she <laughs> might be she a planeswalker, actually. Covered her yeah. wounds with scalps. <laughs> <laughs> she hid under all the, the scalps of all the fat priests and yeah. managed to survive. <laughs> yeah, no, she, she's confirmed not a planeswalker, so she survives. Don't really know how. She reveals herself. The kind of then priests and historians and nobles are all like, that's impossible. You can't be you can't be here. That's, that was 300 years ago. Even if you didn't die, then you'd be dead now from old age. Tell me something only someone 300 years old would know. Yeah, they say, give me five bees for a quarter. Um, <laughs> so yeah, she's just covered in onions all around yeah, her belt uh, onions on her belt exactly uh, so Alenda confessed that she had never given up her search for the artifact as, as its last custodian and that she had gone so far as to take on the blessing of vampirism so that Whoa. she did not have to give up the chase that's hardcore that's fucking rad and she gives Serana a run for her money man this is a right? pretty vampire yeah uh, so the pontifex the head of the church of Torazon took her transformation as a selfless act of sacrifice, and it wasn't long before all the nobles were lining up to show their selflessness and gain immense power and immortality. Also. Saucy, but also that spelled, Saucy, it's spelled E-L-E-N-D-A, uh, Alenda, if you want <laughs> for, the, for your R34 this, search. Yeah, for your <laughs> sexy vampires. <laughs> yeah, is this technically Vampire Hunter Diaries? I don't know. Uh, could be. Call it Finally. Again? Right? <laughs> Uh, let's just title it vampire hunter diaries (laughs) (laughs) so elenda had returned to help torazon in its civil war and and kind of save the nation but her search for the immortal sun on this continent was over as it had been moved across the sea to the continent of ixalan but more on that after the break 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Before there was a sun empire... Human civilization arose in several city-states scattered across the continent. One of the city-states, Arazka, gradually rose to prominence over the others, thanks in large part to the charisma and cunning of its ruler, Chikanto Intli. She began uniting the other cities under her leadership. Even at this time, the humans and the dinosaurs they commanded did not expand into the territory <laughs> of the River Heralds, and the merfolk brought goods to Arazka in trade for items they could not make themselves. Chikanto Intli transformed the scattered and fractious city-states into a mighty empire. Peter? Is there something you want to share with the class? Because <laughs> we're talking about all this like political in- intrigue <laughs> and just the dinosaurs they commanded. Just, just like, oh yeah, I forgot. Oh yeah. You go oh, to the yeah. gates of the city, it's papers, please. It is a dinosaur in like a little yeah. suit. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh, just man. The, t- the T-Rex trying to like reach down to its fanny pack to like get yeah. its papers out. Really. <laughs> You can get like the anti pickpocket strap on the chest, like you have in France, yeah. right? You wear, yeah, you wear yeah. bandolier style. Yeah. yeah, but he really has to look down to see what he's writing. You know, yeah. like he's yeah. got to get chin to chest. Yeah. They could if they had like bird bones in their neck, which they might have. They probably could. But anyway, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to derail you there. It just <laughs> it caught me off guard. I forgot. <laughs> <laughs> I also noticed that that name sounded like uh, like that cyberpunk Arasaka Corporation or whatever. What's it? Takanto? Uh, Asaka? Arasaka? Arasaka is the company. Yeah, but no, is there something called Asaka that you just or, said? Or Razka. Razka. Oh, that's right. Okay, you said that earlier. Okay. Orasaka uh, Industries. Orasaka um, <laughs> Industries. No, um, so that, that's a quote from the Planeswalker's Guide to Ixalan, part one. Uh, and it continues, during this period, the merfolk did something they had never done before and have not done since. They built villages and even made a sort of city of their own. In keeping with their tradition, these settlements were shaped from and constructed in harmony with the natural environment, but they were permanent. The majestic deep root tree is a surviving remnant of their ancient city, and it is still revered as a place where their ancestors dwelled. Generations later, their new ruler, a new ruler set his sights higher. Emperor Apatsek Inthli was gifted the immortal sun in a fateful encounter and vowed to conquer the merfolk and raise the jungle. Cool. Um... Yeah, it's just an under the sea story. Uh, but the person who's trying to, they're trying to, they're not under the sea people, right? That's trying to steal no, it from the under the sea people? No, so the uh, the Immortal Sun doesn't exist here yet. Okay. It's still on Torazon, so it's still with the, okay. uh, what would become the vampire people. Um, and the merfolk and the humans are getting along really well. These specifically aren't under the sea merfolk, they're river merf- merfolk. Uh, okay. So there's like a there's what's called the Great River, uh, which is um, 
the Amazon essentially. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah, they like the the merfolk are broken up into nine tribes, one for each tributary to the the Great River. Um, so they're river under the river folk, uh, and they are living in harmony with the humans until not yet, but eventually, Azor will give them the gift of godlike powers to their emperor oh. uh, and it wouldn't you fucking know it goes awry when you concentrate all the power at the top they're gonna kill all the beavers because they're always trying to stop the water flowing yeah. natural <laughs> enemy yeah. yeah when he uh he's he's not like raising the jungle as in like oh i want to take care of these trees he's raising it to the ground right that's his ambition <laughs> yeah it's he's right ra- yeah so it's the human emperor who who's gonna get the the stone uh, he is raising it to the ground. He's like, we're going to dr- drive the merfolk back more than anything. It's more conquest than anything, colonialism, uh, which is a pretty big theme in this uh, set. Haven't we learned anything from Lord of the Rings? You can't give the all-powerful thing to the human. Yeah, Things exactly. Things are going to go wrong. They're going to exactly. mess it up. They agree. And, and Azor's done it twice now. He gave it to the humans on the other continent. They all, they all decide to turn into vampires to try and get it back. And now he's giving it to <laughs> these ones. They're like, cool, we'll genocide the fish people. Uh, <laughs> They keep paving paradise. I don't understand why. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Boy, a lot of parking though. Uh, yeah, it's, it's cheap. <laughs> there might so, be a dog barker too in the audio because this I one, see uh, she's, she's yeah, priming to bark right now. It's yeah. it's about time where I normally would have taken her out. We're we're recording hey. early, but hey, you want a piece of me? Oh, she's doing a little scratch and doing a little. A little she's doing bite. a little snaps. Yeah, yeah. exactly. To be like, get going, get going. <laughs> uh, so after Azor had descended on Torazon and taken the immortal sun from the church there, he flew across the ocean and decided to give humans another chance. The first great empress of the sun empire was Chikanto Intli. Before the immortal sun came to excellent shores, this empress had united all the states into a centralized government orbiting her own city of Oraska. Well, that's not too bad. And this is kind of like a fool me once scenario, right? And this, is before, this is before the, the immortal sun. So this is they were doing great. The humans were actually... Oh, thriving. You know what I mean? The the Aztec Empire here was doing a really good job. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had united all the city-states. They had their city of gold. Um, it's this newfound prosperity. I think that at Lordboy's canon, Araska probably turns into the city of gold in this time because trade is probably for, flourishing and they probably like have the gold to to spend kind of thing. Um, they live in peace and prosperity. Put it up. <laughs> it's like yeah, put up exactly. wallpaper. It's just like, we, yeah. it, there's nothing to spend it on. There's there's too there's too much gold. Too Instead much of tin foil, like putting into the oven, you have gold oh, yeah. foil. You're putting yeah. your chicken wings on to go in, or your, <laughs> or your half merfolk or whatever. You're having your fillet of wanna, merfolk. I don't want to yeah. scrape the baking sheet afterwards. Put some gold foil down on it. For, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> fucking throw it away. It's like, do we recycle? Ah, yeah. I'm not gonna bother about a blue. Bag. Oh, just, you can ball it up. Let the cat play with it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. So uh, they live in peace and prosperity for a long time. Even after the death of the Empress, content, uh, they're content with their borders. They are building strong relations with the merfolk of the River Heralds until that gosh dang egomaniacal immortal sphinx decides to descend from the sky and give the powers of a god to the then Emperor Apadzek Intli I. Um, it, so the immortal sun is brought to Araska. It's given an honorary res- resting place in a massive spire in the city known as the Tower of Triumph. And its chamber comes to be known as the Sanctum of the Sun, uh, which you guys will recognize. Looks like what Azar was standing on. Did you say um, Trump Tower? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he would, he honestly. Yeah. He would, yeah. Um, so it's from this chamber that Apatzik rules, uh, and the humans of the Sun Empire quickly turn on their merfolk allies, like the quote kind of told you. 
the River Heralds gave up on permanent cities, went back to a nomadic lifestyle along the Great River, while the Sun Empire pushed its borders right to the shores of the continent. That This picture, like, it's really cool, but the light beams make no sense unless there's multiple light sources. Like, well, they probably have, like, gems to redirect it or mirrors or something, right? There's, it's, well, okay. it's the Immortal Sun. So that's a that's the giant triangular granite slab of the Immortal Sun in that. Oh, in that it's magic! So it it glows. It is the source of the glow. Okay. Oh, okay. Magic is fine. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, also, yeah. Just <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, as as magic as a light bulb would be, I guess, or th- or three light bulbs, if you will. It's like if you yeah. had a light bulb and you put a stencil over it, it's going to shine out of each of the holes, right? Is the uh... idea. It's the it's the, the Christmas the, the it's a paper snowflake over a light bulb basically. Exactly. Yeah, but they wouldn't all form and like like focus into the. I don't. No. I don't really care. That, you know, it's that, it's not that, a big that, deal. It's, it's a magic thing. Shining up edge. or down? Down. down. Okay. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. The light, the light shining up that would be a little more. Uh, I could buy what uh, young Hao Han was trying to draw here. Young Hao Han. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so. The Sun Empire is pushing out uh, using the the power of this immortal sun. Uh, its leader Apatsik, uh, which if you type Apatsik into uh, Google Google uh, Docs, it loves to correct it to Aztec, which is very confusing in the context of this episode. <laughs> um, so they do push too far. Apatsik's misuse of the immortal sun drew the empire too thin, and his policies back home weren't much better. Uh, Patsik the first had cemented the Sun Empire's control of the continent, but it cemented in them the expansionist ideologies which would follow them over the coming generations. Right up to where the uh, Magic Gathering story starts, the Empire is still clashing on its borders with the River Heralds. So, okay, uh, he he pushes out, he pisses off the River Heralds. The Conquistadors will eventually land on the shores and they'll go to war with them as well. Um, and his misuses continue, uh, get bad enough that people eventually abandon a city made of gold. They're like, this guy sucks so much, we're gonna leave, even though the city's fucking it's the golden That's city. Crazy, dude. I'm moving out of Trump Tower. Damn it. Right? <laughs> I was watching uh like he, we were talking about how we never use uh South American stories for as much as other stories that we use like in Europe and North America and what's that? Paraguay apparently just like tried to take on all their borders at once. And they border Brazil, Bolivia, Argentina. And Uruguay is not far off. There's like a little bit of Argentina separating them. Okay. And they fought a war on all four fronts at once and ended up losing. But what a crazy story. Imagine trying to that's, fight four neighbors. Yeah, that's one. very dumb. That happened. There's there's an expression in English for a, uh, if you're doing something poorly, you're saying you're, you're waging a war on two fronts. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, well on four. Yeah, yeah. I I don't know when it happened, but Anthony Bourdain went there and he ate with a bunch of rich people, and they were like saying, "Yeah, this is we have a really fucked up past with that." But ate with a bunch of rich people. It's like it was a terrible thing to watch from up here in in the Paraguay Trump Tower. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Eighteen sixty four to eighteen seventy. It was also known of the War of the Triple Alliance, basically oh everyone God, yeah. against you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. 1864 <laughs> September to 1864 October. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, apparently, like most people, like uh, some of the older people now, uh, or I guess the really, really old people, they were had to hide. Like the boys would dress as girls so they wouldn't get enlisted and stuff. And they were sending oh, on yeah. like full on children just with sticks out there painted as guns, like 
fucking crazy, man. That's wild. Yeah. So we Did can do work? a story on that one day, but yeah. <laughs> 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 it didn't more of Paraguay and, win. And yeah. Anthony Bourdain, Laura win. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the ruling class in our fantasy uh, Paraguay gets so unbearable uh, <laughs> that people flee Araska right down to the last person as near as I can tell. This part is like really vague. Doesn't really explain why everyone left Araska. Um, well, is returns based on real history. Uh, it's not the Anthony Bourdain thing, but like there was like the. I want to say it's the Inca collapse. Like civilizations came and went before Western contact. And like yeah, yeah. people don't know why, right? Yeah. 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 And it, yeah, it's, it's essentially that like we do kind of know why that it's like the civilization didn't collapse. They formed like other city states. It's specifically Araska, the city, like the city of gold that they end up leaving. Okay. I'm yeah. going to say Lord Boy's Canon is like Abhetzek, the leader, is like unbearable. Maybe he commits some atrocities in his own city that like ends up thinning, culling the herd a little bit. Um, Whatever the case, people are kind of like leaving. Is uh, global return? warming? Uh, the city made of gold doesn't dissipate heat very good. It's very, oh, very hot. It it right back. <laughs> <laughs> very hot. Very hot. You gotta get like yeah, sizzle yourself on your on your floors when you, you need get up in the sunglasses morning. that like came all the way down to stop the light from reflecting off the streets. Right. Yeah. Exactly. I put is my glasses so far into my eyes to see if it works. <laughs> is it is it Grandpa Simpson again in uh in the Simpsons where the streets are paved with gold and the cars yeah. are just like crashing everywhere? Yeah, sliding all over the place. <laughs> There's no yeah. traction. Yeah. He was complaining um, about like poor people. Like you think the cities are paved with gold and young Jasper is like, they are. And then like yeah. some guy just crashes his car. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so Azor returns, sees that his plans to stabilize the region by concentrating an extreme amount of power in a very limited percentage of the population has once again failed. Uh, and he yeah. decides to uh, turn to the River Heralds and offer them the same deal, essentially. Just like, yeah, I'm going to give it to you guys now and you guys will be in charge. Uh, the Merfolk, however, like some good socialists, decide that that's too much power to be amongst the people. They opt to leave the Immortal Sun in its sanctum and collectively forget where that is. <laughs> Cool. So the reason it's the lost city of gold is just because the merfolk said, like, it's illegal to talk about it where it is. Okay, so just just don't. If you know, don't tell anybody. Um, I'm gonna say it's. (laughs) I'm gonna say a bit more lore boys canon. The location of the artifact was forgotten by humans thanks to a combination of Azor's magic, mind magic, which he's very good at, uh, and also him installing something called Azor's Gateway, which uh, canonically leads to the Sanctum of the Sun and is just a, a big locked door. Yep. Cool. Some guy trying to open it with like lightning magic or runes or something. So that's Jace Bellerin uh, getting into it. He's the main character in the in this. Using his his blue magic to just open it. Okay. Uh, so with the Immortal Sun out of the hands of the Sun Empire, the River Heralds are able to regain some footing on the plane. Uh, the human's reach is reduced to a few coastal cities, and the heirs to the Emperor find a new capital called Pachatupa but the alliances between the city-states is now tenuous at best. Uh, At the same time, despite not using the Immortal Sun, the influence of the River Heralds increases, with the humans driven out of much of the jungle. They migrate across the continent, and the land itself begins to heal from the plows and axes, which had broken it. The Great River grows broader and deeper, tended as it was by the Heralds. Things are going relatively well, uh, but as the Legion of Dusk lands on Ixalan's shores, the Sun Empire finds itself driven inland, butting up against the Heralds. 
Not to mention both the humans and the vampires remember the immortal sun and actively search for the lost city. It's not even just the humans and vampires. It turns out that, you know, you have bad actors in a socialist society, I guess, who are actively fighting against it. Not that Uh, greed that Jamie alluded to earlier. (laughs) Right. Uh, So over time, there comes to be even merfolk who believe that they might harness the power squirreled away in Araska. So I have a a longer quote for you guys here. Uh, This one's from The Shapers, also by Allison Lurs. I track Kimena quickly, simply. A straight line from where we were to where we are. Kimena's immaturity is as plain as his ego. He is a powerful shaper, yes, but he is artless, naive, as impetuous as his namesake. At their best, those chosen to bear the name of Kumena are freewheeling, passionate, biased toward action. This Kumena is all of these things, but with a sharp edge that makes him dangerous. When he was my student, he tested every boundary. I have fond memories of most of my students, but my memories of him are brimming with headaches and resentment. I would not go so far as to say I failed as a mentor, but rather that I succeeded only as much as one could have. Maturity cannot be taught, it must be developed. In front of me spreads the great expanse of the ocean. It is beautiful, baleful, avoided. Our preferred waters are murky and fresh without the harsh salt of the coast. He stands in front of me, arms raised, agitating the sky and the waves into a frothy royal. We can conjure a thousand storms a thousand times, or we can raise a city only once, Kumena says over the roar of the sea. Which is the better expenditure of energy? Which is better stewardship to Shana? Awakening Orazka is not an option. I assume my spell with magic of my own, his spell with magic of my own. My waves pull the enemy ships close, and my rain slaps their sails. I will not let you imperil more lives. I will not let you answer contingencies with contingencies and outrages with, conting- with outrages. I sense him slip out of the spell, step back, look onward with awe at how my magic now tumbles the ships in the distance like leaves on a whitewater river. You always had more skill than I, he says, hushed. I ram one of the ships into the side of a sea stack. You think <laughs> yourself wiser than your elders, I say. That will be your downfall, and your age will be yours. I look over my shoulder just in time to see Kamena's fist hit my face and all goes dark. So the merfolk, the river heralds. That's a good magic move. I got to say, by the way, yeah, punch right, in the face. Yo, it's more more skilled than I imagine. Yeah. There's, there's a meme in D and D communities right now, which is like, if you're a wizard and you run out of spell slots and you're using your dagger to attack, doesn't that just make you a fighter? Like, isn't every <laughs> class of fighter just fancier? Essentially? Uh, and when all else fails, punch punch works good. Yeah. So I I guess to hide um, uh, Araska, the Merfolk had had like sank it into the swamp, essentially, right? Uh, oh, yeah. They got they got Shrek on watch. He's protecting it. Uh, <laughs> Color the skin of freshly pressed olive oil. Just, <laughs> just some fat green bitch standing there, just. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, Fiona's not just something. <laughs> yeah, come on. Um, so they sink it into the swamp, and now this this guy, uh, Kumena, is one of these merfolk who, who seems to think that like we can raise it, we can take its power for ourselves, and we can use it to fight back the yeah the invasions on our land, the wars on our our shores, essentially. Uh, eventually, eventually, Araska is awakened, and no one sensitive to magic is unaware of that. Uh, and it it kind of kicks off the the main story, the race for the ancient city of gold, even as one Jace Bellerin washes up on the shore and finds himself stuck by the power of the immortal sun. Uh, and that's Ixalan. That's the that's kind of the prehistory of Ixalan. If you guys enjoyed the show, want to hear more, uh, I'd be happy to go into the story of it. Uh, we'll probably touch on it when we talk about the Frexian invasions at some point in the future. God knows when, because we still haven't done Dominaria United, which I feel like I have to do before we get there. But we'll see if I ever do that like five before, parter. Before we retire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
so if you guys enjoy the show, uh, get in touch with us. If you if you want to hear more, join the Discord. Uh, if you guys uh, would do us the favor, leave us a review on your podcast app of choice or iTunes or whatever it might be. Uh, and tell your friends about the show because that's how we grow. Uh, Yimbo? Anything Hell you yeah, talk about? brothers. Let's get you into the Discord. Go to discord.gg slash loreboys or check out that link in the description. Uh, if you end up also becoming a patron, um, it just on the lowest tier is three bucks and it'll get you into a prime folks channel, uh, an AMA channel where we'll answer questions as best we can. Uh, we'll put the loser titles up so you can guess. So like we'll have funny jokes that we've said uh, throughout the thing, like uh, maybe like oops, all scalps or something like that. And that <laughs> would be in the loser title. And you'd have to guess that we're talking about um, uh, a city of gold. Somehow from that. Uh, Oda Sphinx is one of them that I have. Oda Sphinx, there you go. <laughs> oh, it's like, oh uh, yeah, that's about the vampires. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you also get access to those episode picks. So whenever Ethan points us to something, you can hop in the Discord and look along uh, with us too. And it gives you bonus content. Uh, that bonus content being us talking for between 30 minutes to sometimes as long as an hour um, about what's going on this week. Like I, I've been playing the new Zelda. So if you wanted our take on the new Zelda, um, you got to get that $3 in. So if you but guys anyways, yeah. day drunk recording on a Saturday, sometimes the bonus is over an hour long too. <laughs> yeah, it depends. Yeah. It depends on how we're doing yeah. Pete and I had a longer one without uh, Ethan. It's what we're talking about. I think. <laughs> <That> <laughs> I, there's something about if there's one person gone, it like they, we talk so much more weirdly enough. Like it's, yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, we're more respectful, I guess, trying to let somebody else get a word in edgewise and like, it's just silence so we just kind of move on i guess but yeah and it, it, we never have that moment where there's two people having a co- well if there's two people having a conversation the third could always kind of push it along eh, it's the half an hour let's get the fuck out of here but. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah somebody could punch the clock basically it's just like time to go you yeah. this bonus audio is up yeah get exactly. a magician to punch our clock for us and, <laughs> yeah and pete what, what about you uh at lower boys podcast on instagram i'm still at time of recording happily fun employed i still got five more days or um a, a full week actually before i need to go back to work but i'm being a mailman that's neat um and you can check out my publisher at squared idea on instagram as well uh i made a lot of progress with no job obviously uh to the point oh, where uh one of my hands is wrapped up because uh it, nine hours a day on the fucking computer is apparently unhealthy so yeah un- unemployed you do a lot of jerking off you're gonna you, you do gonna the wrist for yeah. sure yeah nothing else Man, to do. look at this shit dude you'd <laughs> never survive world of warcraft i know <laughs> <laughs> i know i started playing warframe again for eight days and i'm just like oh fuck me man my bones oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh yeah, so uh, thanks again for listening, everybody. If you want to uh, join the Patreon, support the show, we have Patreon, patreon.com slash the lore boys. Uh, you can get access to the stuff that they both already mentioned. So check it out. There's also a link in the description if you're interested. Uh, and for anyone who doesn't trust uh, the Patreon, of course, we do have um, Lore Boys Prime, which we've uh, always offered. Uh, we are going to be forming some city states, and we are going to need our Lore Boys Primers to help us decide the. Uh, the, the best one, the best one for everyone, essentially. Um, so, uh, or which one, I guess, should be the, yeah, which one should be in charge. So me, Jamie, and Pete all have our own ones. I'm making the City of Lead uh, because it's, you know, it's a cheap metal, uh, very efficient. Uh, as far as I know, there's no downsides to it. If it was good enough for the ancient Romans and their pipes, it was good enough for, for us, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm so- making a city out of scalps. 
Um, okay. It mostly okay, comes okay. from. He says scalps, but it's all butt cheeks. Let's be real. You're making the city of butts, dude. Don't <laughs> even you're gonna at me with that. Yeah, okay? and we have our own religion, and everybody has to get scalped when they're a baby, and then the 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 <laughs> religious guy kisses your bloody scalp, and then you you go, yeah, yeah. you go on. Yeah, he takes your scalp off, and he baptizes you with like a little bit of lemon water. And oh god, <laughs> oh man, I was making heal the zits is the prayer that they all say. <laughs> I was making cute. guac. I told you guys earlier. I got so many little cat scratches on my hand. I squeezed the lime. <laughs> ah, god. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> just cut your hand off at that point. Honestly, yeah, exactly. Uh, me personally, I'm I because I'm afraid of like conquest and like like more primitive technology. For safety reasons, I'm doing asbestos town completely fireproof. Okay. Completely fire, fire retardant and uh, very safe. Uh, and, nice. you know, uh, you guys got beautiful winters because you can make like lovely snowfall. Yeah, we, just, on, we use Anytime it in the snow all the time. We just like we pulverize it into like a very fine powder and then just blast it into the air. Catch yeah. it on your tongue. It's very cute. And now yeah. with the advances in AI, we can make Ethan say the R word because he said the flame retardant. Like, <laughs> oh, no. Now me too. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying, <laughs> and I think that would constitute a lore boys. Lore boys. Oh, Ouch. I googled uh, Lore City, Ohio again, and the population is still under 300. So we are well on our way to killing all those people. <laughs> We've still got our city state. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.